This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at cosmicpotato.com. In a world without a single unified voice, humanity has been left searching for answers to the unknown. Now, one podcast has the power to change that and to spread its voice across the earth for all mankind to hear. Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 62 of Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. My name is Sean Ray and I don't think Point Break is that bad. Hi Sean. Which one? (laughs) And sitting across the virtual table from me is my friend and co-host, Mr. John Irons. Hello John. Hello Sean. And filling in chair chair, chair number three is our friend Anthony. How are you, oh, sir? Oh, I can be cheerful. Oh, I'm good. It's so good to be back. Uh, I had to uh, put you on a little probation because you liked the reboot of Ghostbusters. Oh, oh. Well, you, were on that, you were on that show. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think I've been on since. So, you know, just I had to put you on ice for a little bit just because you like that movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like crappy movies sometimes. <laughs> you know what? I, I like that movie, too. I wasn't on that episode. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was yeah, listening. Yeah. I was like, "What? It was funny." But all right. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Hey, I went. You know what? I went back and watched it again on Stars about uh, maybe a month ago, and I mean, it's a fun movie. It's not a perfect movie. No. It's not a great movie, but it, and, I mean, it's a fun movie. Yeah, and I, and I think it's like if I remember, and it's been a while. If I remember your your main criticism was basically it wasn't as good as as it could have been, which is fair, but. That doesn't make it terrible. Yeah. Well, yeah. Just some things really bother me in movies where there's too much ad-libbing. And apparently Paul Feig would... I didn't know this would turn into a whole Ghostbusters hating on episode. Um, but apparently <laughs> apparently Paul Feig would just let takes go on for 45 minutes and just let the actors just keep improving and improving and improving and just, you know let them just keep going and going and uh, there was just some things with the dialogue that just really bothered me like when they're in the restaurant and it's like oh no don't be the jaws mayor no don't be the jaws mayor don't compare me to the jaws mayor don't say jaws mayor it was like <laughs> yes we get it jaws is a better movie well when you the, it, it, it was kind of like hey remember that better movie that we're referencing in this movie <laughs> well the set of actors that they had you know they they made they made their bones in improv comedy, you know. So oh yeah, so that's uh, that's a big reason for that. You know, you get Saturday Night Live, and 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 of course, uh, uh, what's it, uh, McCarthy, uh, 
the McCarthy, Melissa like, McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, she's but ba- she's big I, on that too. And but the thing is, I loved Bridesmaids. I oh, went yeah. and saw that in the theater, and I was probably one of the a very. It was like the movie that the guy got dragged to see. And it was a movie that was for the ladies, but I loved it. It was such a good movie. But maybe that sort of style of directing just didn't translate well for Ghostbusters. Well, I I feel like, uh, again, I like the movie, but but yeah, Kate McKinnon, um, yeah, the the over... Overly wacky improv Thank you. It was, it was. It was. Yeah. It was much. It was. It was a bit much. And I, I would say that was probably my biggest complaint with the movie. But it, that didn't necessarily tank the movie for me because yeah. it, it had enough references to the old movie and enough new stuff that uh, you know I, I, I felt. Yeah, I felt it was fine. I felt like it was fine. I wouldn't watch it. You know, on repeat. <laughs> like. <laughs> You know, every month, but it was yeah, no. I can do a show with John immediately, maybe maybe a few weeks <laughs> off, but I think with, well, no, with John, but with Sean, I think I got to put you on ice for three months. <laughs> well, and, and I think you were like it, there were like three or four of you, right? And 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 you were the yeah, Rick, opinion. and and we also had we also had Brock, who is like in the Alabama Ghostbusters. So yeah, he was a he was a big fan of it too. So. He actually, yeah, so, he actually went to see it. I think like six times in theater, in the theater. Well, he went to he like went to California to to Ghost Corps to see a trailer for this thing. Yeah, and it was like the whole show went, you know, liked it, liked it, loved it, and then it gets to me, and I'm like, this was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's fine. I mean, you don't want to have you don't want everything to be just a love fest. You want to have the opposing opinion on stuff too. Shut up, Sean. That's yeah. the stupidest all, thing you've ever said. It's all in good fun, man. <laughs> but I don't think we're well. I, you know, we we can disagree, but I'll never be disagreeable. I don't think we're going to get a sequel what? to that movie anyway. I think I think that's been what? I, they are talking uh, about. There is going to be more Ghostbusters stuff in the future, but I don't think it's going to be a sequel to that movie. I think they're going to they're going to go another way with it. I think I, mm-hmm. I, I think that would what be I, a mistake because well, from what I hear, good. from what I hear, they're supposed to be making an animated film that's supposed to be about the original four members, oh, but it probably Lord. won't be them doing their voices. The girls may be in that movie as well, you know, but it, but they'll be animated. So. Yeah, I mean. If we want to do a Ghostbusters show later on when more of the stuff's coming out, that's fine. But my idea was always, you know, when Venkman says the franchising rights will make us millionaires alone or Mm -hmm. whatever that exact line is, you know, what if it was something where the four original Ghostbusters, you know, franchised it and leased out proton packs and, you know, there was sort of like a whole training program, so... Imagine, you know, now in New York City, there's an all-girls crew of Ghostbusters that could be, you know, the four ones from the reboot, and then maybe, like, an alternate all-boys crew, and I always thought they could kind of have, like, you know, the boys crew was kind of the enemies, or maybe they had better proton packs or whatever, and the girls crew was just trying to make it, and uh, it was just sort of about 
business competition. So that was always my idea what they should do with it. Just have it be a franchise and just have it be stories about each little franchise. Yeah, I always thought that we were going to end up getting a movie about a franchise of Ghostbusters and it was going to have like Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson in it or something like that, you know. But <laughs> Owen Wilson sees a ghost and he just says, "Wow." <laughs> 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 all right really slimy and we are uh this is, wow contrary to what <laughs> listeners may think we're not this is not the ghostbusters episode this is the uh yeah sorry oh no, no that's fine that's fine we, <laughs> hey we we always get off on tangents uh but our topic tonight is going to be documentaries uh segue there was a there was a ghostbusters documentary that came out a year or so ago so <laughs> but we've talked about that one before um but what we're going to do is, you know, we, we always talk about different kinds of films, different kinds of TV shows, and we don't always get into uh, documentaries. And so I wanted to do I wanted to do something with that here tonight because uh, there are some good ones out there, and a lot of the ones I've got on my list actually kind of go along with uh, the geeky genre that genres that we usually talk about. But and I don't know what you guys have got on your list, but uh, I tell you what, let's we're gonna go around the wheel, and mm-hmm. I'm going to Anthony. I'm gonna let you go first. Okay. Well, uh, my first one sort of fits along in the lines of the geeky genre. Uh, from 2011, it's a documentary called Nightmare Factory. Now, this is about. Greg Nicotero and his two friends, basically, I don't have their names in front of me, but it's all about them starting K&B Effects, which is the effects company that has done countless famous horror movies. You've seen their work. Uh, They do all the Walking Dead stuff. Yeah. yeah, these are like really, really big names in the makeup and effects department, and it's just all about, you know, when they were starting out, when they were young, their coming to Hollywood story, and, uh, you know, all those, you know, we were up till four in the morning doing this, or setting up this effect, or practical effect, and it didn't work right, and just about the whole process of, why special effects and practical effects are still so important in the age of all the digital and CG effects. And, you know, it it really makes you appreciate all of that. And uh, a good example can be not horror related, but think about some of the more recent Star Wars movies. How, yeah, how, like, you know, in the first three Lucas relied on digital so much. And apparently there's this story where he was on the set of Gangs of New York and he told Scorsese, oh, you know, you can just do that all digitally. When Scorsese was like, well, no, we're doing it for real. We're not we're not putting our actors on a green screen or on a blue screen or we're not doing that. They're not going to react to a tennis ball on a stick. We want to do this for real. (laughs) Yeah. So it was an awesome documentary. Uh, I will say because it focuses on a lot of the horror and gore effects, you're going to see a lot of gore, a lot of blood, a lot of, uh, you know, prop heads and hands and feet and legs and intestines and all that kind of stuff. So if you have a weak stomach, 
uh, don't watch it or don't eat as you're watching it, <laughs> but uh, Nightmare Factory. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but definitely awesome. Uh, if you love The Walking Dead, which I'm sure a lot of listeners on the show do, definitely check that one out. It's really cool to watch. Yeah, Nicotero, want, he, I mean, he's on Talking Dead all the time, talking about, especially after an episode of The Walking Dead that had some major uh, zombie effect. Well, or the whatever. hero zombie. Yeah. He would. Or the hero zombie. Like, they'll do things on Walking Dead where they will have a zombie from, uh, you know, like a previous Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, all that stuff. They'll have a zombie on there that has the same features, like the one with the jaw missing, or Bud, or uh, the, the flannel one from Dawn of the Dead that they have on the cover, you know, the bald one. Yeah. So they kind of have done those quote-unquote hero zombies, and it's sort of a service to the fans, you know, having these zombies on the show. So, uh, yes, really awesome pick. All right. John, what's the first one on your list? Um, I don't watch a whole lot of documentaries, uh, but apparently I just put them in my queue and just leave them there. So... (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, like my, my, you know, I was trying to think of like stuff to watch and I was like, oh, I've got like five of them here. So let's, let's do that. Um, so the first one that, um, I did was, um, it's on Amazon prime. If, if you have Amazon, it's, you know, it's on demand otherwise called life animated. And, um, it's about this guy. He's an adult now, but. Um, I actually remember hearing his story was like listening on NPR and he was this kid who like at age three um, begins to develop autism and like regress like physically and verbally and you know the the you know to, to all the specialists blah 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 and you know they, they've they've kind of they're, they're you know trying to cope with the situation trying to you know get him all the help he can and they discover after like a year or two, that um and it, but but he he always loved disney movies like animated disney movies and like that was kind of the one thing that they still did that was normal as a family uh, they would all still sit at the on the couch and and watch disney movies and they discovered eventually that he was able to communicate via like the quotes from animated disney movies so, like, mm. he would, like, relate, um, you know, whatever was happening to something that happened in a Disney movie, and he could, like, because he, he wasn't he wasn't verbal. Like, he couldn't really talk. He kind of spoke gibberish unless he was quoting from, like, Disney. And it would be relevant. Like, he wasn't just, like, randomly spouting stuff like a parrot. Like, he would actually, you know, be responding to, you know, what the other person was saying. And that was kind of the doorway in to helping him um, like reconnect uh, with with uh, society and kind of relearn the stuff that he needed to learn and um, it was it was great like one of the reasons that I don't watch a lot of documentaries is because I find them they bum me out <laughs> like they bum me out like yeah I, I know what <laughs> some feel like work <laughs> yeah like I know what I'm eating is bad for me <laughs> But when you really show me, like, it bumps me out. I know that, you know, well, I can get to those in, in, my, in my next review, but yeah. 
Um, that, so, so yeah, like this was on my list um, and in my queue, frankly, because I thought it was, you know, it's a really fascinating story. Um, and, you know, I, I know, like I said, he's an adult now, so I know, you know, there's some degree of a happy ending. You know, he's, he's you know, he's, he's still autistic. He's still on spectrum, yeah. but he's, you know, he's fairly functional. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it also, it's, it's like, it's nice, like, and so the, the, the movie actually takes place. Um, he's on the verge of uh, graduation and graduation in this sense, is basically there's a, um, there's kind of a school for like special needs people. And um, he's about to be, um, go out on his own and like get his own apartment and get his own job and stuff like that. So, 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 um, you know, it's like, uh, there's, there's just little things that we didn't even think about that are like, you know, you see him like, you know, go get mail from the mailbox and you're like, woo, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like he bakes some cookies. Yeah, they baked them damn cookies. You bet they did. Good, good for you, man. <laughs> you baked them. <laughs> you baked them cookies, man. And it's like, it's, it's, it's really, because he's such a sweet guy. He's such a sweet guy. And there's, no, it's not like nothing, obviously it's not nothing bad happens to him, but he's, you know, he just, he's, he's living his life, but you really, you know, you really feel for him. You really root for him, and it's a um, yeah. It's a, it's a nice it's a nice journey. It's an uplifting film. Um, so yeah, I, I I would recommend it to um, yeah. anyone who loves to smile. <laughs> if you enjoy happiness, <laughs> well, if you uh, if you've ever known anybody who had a child that was autistic like that. It really is like that when they when they do something for their for them for themselves. Um, I knew someone who had a child that was severely autistic when he was very young, but by the time he got up to around eighteen, nineteen, he was actually able to hold a job. I mean, it wasn't yeah. like I mean he wasn't working at the bank Small or anything like that. He was working at a grocery store, but just the fact that yeah. he could get up every day, dress himself, and go to work. And and work a full day and then come home. That was a big deal, you know. So yeah, and I I um, like I liked. Uh, I think one of the therapists made this point. Um, they're like, okay, well, why? You know, what is it about Disney movies? And you know, part of one of the things about being autistic is that it's difficult for, to read other people. You know, like um, like the the emotions and the expressions and all that stuff kind of don't make sense, but animated characters have huge exaggerated expressions yeah you know they're not they're not subtle you know their faces their eyes bug out and they have huge smiles that take up their whole head and it's you know it's it's very obvious what they're thinking and what they're feeling and like they connected to that or her theory was that he connects to that and also no matter you know change is scary and you know new things are intimidating and no matter what happens in the real world, these characters, these friends, will always do exactly the same thing at exactly the same time. Yeah, and they're completely predictable. And she's and she's like, I think, and I think that's what you know those those two things are kind of, um, you know what what draws him to them. And I'm like, you know what? I never thought about it, but that makes that makes perfect sense. I thought that was really um, that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because every, every well, I mean, cartoons are meant for kids, and kids 
have to be able to tell what the character is thinking by facial expressions and things like that. So they obviously right. have to over over exaggerate it. So yeah, that makes that does make sense. Yeah. Okay, uh, my first one is King of Kong: A Fistful of Quarters. <laughs> and uh, have you guys seen this? I saw. It I have. Ago. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably about ten years old at this point, but it's. Um, I think it's probably the first documentary I watched after I signed up for Netflix. So that's been at least nine years ago. Uh, the movie's about a guy named Steve uh, Weeby. I think is how he pronounces his last name. And he's just an ordinary guy. Like Weeby Weeby. Yeah. He uh, he's trying to win the high score on Donkey Kong. And it's more interesting than you think it would be because that sounds boring. <laughs> but but the uh, the movie is set up to be probably more dramatic than it really was because he kind of has a nemesis. Billy Mitchell is the guy that's uh, he's got the all time high score in Donkey Kong, and they portray him to be kind of an arrogant jerk. If you've seen the movie Pixels, the Adam Sandler Adam Sandler movie Pixels, the character that Peter Dinklage plays is kind of based on Billy Mitchell. And uh, Billy Mitchell is, uh, he's a good game player. It's kind of how he's made his living by doing appearances and things like that. He has a perfect score of 3,333,360 on Pac-Man. So, um, so at the time that the movie was made, Steve had been laid off. Uh, he had a passion for old video games. Uh, he built a Donkey Kong cabinet in his garage and just sat out there playing the game until he got the high score. And there's this company called Twin Galaxies that keeps up with all the high scores. And, you know, he had to record it. He had to have a video camera over his shoulder videotaping the game while he's playing so that he could submit uh, his score for the for the title. And uh, there was this cool arcade that's featured in the movie called Fun Spot that I would really like to go to at some point. Uh, it's uh, It's in New Hampshire. And they have the world's largest collection of playable 70s and 80s cabinet games in the world. And uh, a lot of the video game champion world championships and things like that are played there. But uh, it's a little bit dated because, like I said, it was made about 10 years ago. I don't think either one of those guys has the title anymore. I think the title's changed probably five or six times since then. But um, it's not on Netflix anymore. I think you can get it on uh, most of the VOD sites for about $3. But uh, but you guys have seen it. What did you guys think of it? Uh, I loved it. Yeah. Uh, you know, just Billy Mitchell was definitely the bad guy. And he was trying to kind of get intel on Steve Weebly. And, you know, it, it, it's playing a video game and it's grown men playing a video game. But they take it so seriously, it's almost kind of comical that they're obsessing over this yeah yeah and these are games that you can't press pa- you can't press pause on these games so you're, yeah. you're going to be sitting at this at these controllers for hours and hours to, yeah that's to not like there's for. an engaging story or plot or character development in donkey kong yeah like you, you really gotta or, yeah. or pack there's no, you there's really no gotta, cut you really gotta yeah. commit yeah right. well back in those days games were video games were a game of skill yeah, it, it wasn't was, about the story like it is today yeah no it was it was it was skill plus endurance it was how long can you keep going like they didn't even there was not even a pretense of like they would just start the same level over and just go faster all right can you do that can you right. do that can you do that like that was that was that was it and um 
Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I enjoyed the movie. Like I said, it was a while since I've seen it. Uh, I don't think I've seen it since, but um, uh, yeah, I remember, I remember thinking, oh, there's like a, <laughs> yeah, he was definitely like the Cobra Kai of video games. Uh, huh. yeah. That sums it up perfectly. They're talking about taking that story and making a scripted comedy out of it that would be, you know, one of those Will Ferrell type movies or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like Dodgeball yeah. or something. But it's, uh, but now, you know, it's been so long since that came out. I don't know if that's going to happen. At, at one at one time, it was make a scripted comedy out of that. The, ne- the other idea was to make a comedy about those two guys after the documentary came out and how the documentary changed their lives and stuff like that. So either one of those would probably be a pretty funny, pretty funny movie. But So this wasn't on my list originally, but I have to mention this. So twin galaxies, they, uh, that older guy, the old skinny hippie guy with the beard, yeah. uh, he's basically like the scorekeeper and he wears the referee shirt. So, they get all these VHS tapes sent into them, and they would have to go through the tapes and watch them and sort of verify them to make sure it was a legit uh, high score or whatever. Uh, because on these games, on the boards, you know, it's all soldered pieces and chips and things like that. And, you know, people can do th- something like. People can do something just like loosen a chip or you know, just adjust a little piece of solder or something like that, and it'll actually affect the game. So there's a documentary currently streaming on Netflix called Man vs. Snake. Have you heard of this? No. No. All right. Man vs. Snake, the long and twisted tale of Nibbler from 2015. (laughs) So... This is a very close cousin. I think Billy Mitchell might even be in this. So there's a man who has a very unfortunate name. Uh, His name is Tim McVeigh. No association with... Yeah, yeah. yeah. No association with that Tim McVeigh. This is a different Tim Tim McVeigh. I mean, I kind of differentiate them like Timothy McVeigh and Tim McVeigh. Sure. So... Yes, very unfortunate name, man. He actually... So, the whole thing with Nibbler, it is the first ever video game where you can score a billion points. And just... It's exactly what you were saying. So, you know, this is a game that people play for, like, two days straight. And the strategy is, you know, you build up all your lives and basically you just walk away from the game as it has you have like 99 lives you just walk away for 45 minutes and then just go back to the game and play again so there are these guys that'll do these endurance runs at the game and just literally play this thing for two days straight and it's like a it's a brutal marathon training and I mean, they're kind of like athletes in the yeah. sense where th- it is just mentally exhausting just to literally play a video game standing up for two days straight. Yeah. You know, they'll, like I said, they'll build their lives up so that they can walk away, like go to the bathroom and maybe eat something, but it's, it is grueling. So Tim McVeigh is a very likable character. Uh, he, 
like many video game enthusiasts, uh, as he's gotten older, he's put on some weight. <laughs> uh, I, I remember in the dock, he he's riding like a BMX bike, but he's also like 300 pounds, which was kind of funny to me to see that imagery. <laughs> but he he's a very lovable, sweet kind of guy. Uh, you know, just comes off as a very nice, genuine person with no malice in his heart. And his sort of nemesis is this guy who, you know, he has a career in fixing video games and loves playing video games. And he kind of only wants to break the score just to kind of break the score and be the champion and all. So, and then there's some controversy because, you know, there's this Italian guy who said he broke the score. So it's kind of like, well, how did you do it? Because there was no tape of you doing it, so there's no way to verify yeah. it. So it's just it, – it's an interesting story that is such a good tag to uh, Fistful of Qu- King of Kong, Fistful of Quarters. And I could not be silent as we talk <laughs> no, about no, that's that. Fine. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Man versus Snake. Yeah, and I just Definitely, looked it up. Please, please, please watch that. I just that. looked it up. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Just Watch app. Uh, if you download the Just Watch app, it's 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 a free app. And if you put in, uh, when you set it up, you put in all the different places that you watch movies. So whether it be Netflix and Hulu and HBO, Showtime, all that kind of stuff. And then after you set it up, you can put in the name of any movie and it'll tell you if there's anything that's streaming it at that time. And if it's not, then it'll tell you the cheapest places that you can rent it. So I, I just put in Man that's I just cool. put in Man vs. Snake and it's streaming on Netflix and or you can uh you can rent it for two bucks on Google Play. So there's that. So uh Yeah, and uh there's a different app called Can I Stream It that I use, yeah. but the whole pay pay feature like you can get it here if you want to pay for it uh it sounds like i'm definitely gonna have to dump that app and get this one it's called what again just watch just watch yeah, yeah it's pretty cool right, i've started you. using it every day <laughs> john what's the next one on your list um all right so this is one of the aforementioned documentaries that were on my li- that was on my list but i knew would bum me out slash piss me off so I never quite got around to it. Okay. Um, so I, I watched it for uh, this episode, and uh, it did both. Thirteenth, um, the thirteenth, on uh, Netflix. So it's from um, Ava DuVernay, uh, who is an African American uh, director, and the thirteenth refers to the Thirteenth Amendment. Oh, okay. Uh, which. Um, freed the slaves except <laughs> this is one little clause in there that you know you should have all the rights you know uh, you cannot be um, you know uh, imprisoned against your will and, and forced to do labor unless you're in prison unless you've committed a crime at which point you lose those rights oh yeah which seems you know okay well that makes sense um until you realize how completely manipulated by the powers that be that has been, and the it, the documentary it's uh, it's a hundred minutes long, and it's 
you know, just methodically traces the um, the the line of um, I don't want to say slavery, but the line of physical abuse to a certain segment of the population, um, from slavery to um, uh, hang on, I'm pulling my notes. Um, from slavery to uh, segregation to the Jim Crow laws to what is now basically the, the prison industrial complex, which is this merging of prison and industry wherein, uh, you know, it's... it's uh, <laughs> Well, the largest unions are the teachers' unions and the prison guards' union. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. The, the So the number of people who are like the prison slash jail population in America has been, you know, fairly level from like 19, whatever, 1920s until like 1970. Uh, and like 10 years after that, it doubled and 10 years after that, that doubled. So like, and, and the reason, the reason is it's the, um, it's the implant and these initiation of these laws, like, uh, you know, three structure out and like mandatory minimums. So like, no matter, so like the judge doesn't get to say, okay, well, yes, he had, you know, whatever, he had a pound of marijuana and intent to sell, but like he does, he's not a violent criminal and he's got this family, blah, 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 blah. So I'm only going to do this. Like judges in a lot of states don't have that choice anymore. There's a, it's a mandatory. So he did this thing and you have to throw the book out. Yeah. And three structure out. Yeah. Three structure out. Like, nope, that's it. You have to throw the book out. And whatever happened to tarring and feathering people? Is that, is that gone out of vogue? Um, <laughs> depends on the part of your country you're in. Uh, oh, <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean it that way. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, the, the, the population, let me, let me look at my notes here. Like, from, yeah, like in, in 1970, there was like less than, just under half a million people in jail or prison. And by 2010, it's 2.5 million. Like, you can, like, it is it is like an Everest-like slope. And the additional incentive insidious part about this is you know I don't you know want to get on my soapbox but that's what this documentary makes me do so <laughs> so like it 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 way disproportionately affects you know uh, people of color and poor people um, like the difference between and they just now kind of modified this but you know for 20 30 years you know an ounce of crack, the sentence would be like 18 times worse than having an ounce of cocaine, which is effectively the same thing, except more black people had crack and more white people had cocaine. And so yeah. like, so like the, the population, I think it's one out of every 18, I want to say, and I might be, have, I might have the number wrong. Um, white people, may do time in, in jail or prison and for like black men it's like one in three it's 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 crazy 
And, you know, not to get wrapped up in the headlines, but as you know, you know, things like stop and frisk and, you know, stand your ground and, like, basically any time that anyone feels threatened by, you know, a black guy that can pretty much say I feel threatened by the black guy and the black guy is on the losing end of that equation. Yeah. Either, either physically or through the legal system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it was Joe Rogan in some documentary about marijuana where the, he was saying, you know, we privatized prisons and since we've done that, you know, it's now a business and they want to keep those doors open and lock a lot of and lock up as many people as they can. Yep. And you know, I'm sure the prison guard u- union doesn't uh you know, it's about their job. So, you know, if it comes to if they can influence a politician and say, you know, if somebody has under uh, 15 grams of this drug, then you know, we don't want you to just let that person go. They got to go to prison because I got to get paid. Exactly. That Yes, that's exactly how it works. And, and a lot of, like, there's this group called ALEC that is, you know, literally, uh, you know, <laughs> if the Illuminati were a thing, it would be them. Because, like, it, it, is, it is the combination of, like, politicians and uh, business leaders, and they just, you know, they, they're in this same group, and they just write laws the business people write the laws and the politicians like pass them. It's like, it's, co- it's yeah. completely corrupt. <laughs> it's completely for, corrupt. For the listeners, um, Sean is typing in a chat and he's saying that the Illuminati does exist and that there are lizard I people. I did not say that. <laughs> I did not yes, say you did. that. <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, it reminds me, I don't know if you guys have heard of this show, Adam ruins everything that comes on true TV. Um, yeah, there was an episode, I think it was last season. And the name of the episode was Adam Ruman's Prison. And they kind of went into a lot of the, uh, not so much the racial aspect, but more of the business aspect of how the, the prisons are privatized and the, the government makes money by sending prisoners to prison. The prisons are making yep. money because the, gover- the government pays them to keep a prisoner there, but they're not spending as much on the prisoner as what they're actually getting paid for the prisoner. So they're making a profit off of it and all that. If you go to YouTube and just put in Adam Rubin's prison, you won't see the whole episode, but you'll see enough clips from it to be able to, to, to gather a lot of yeah, the information. It's, so. it's, it's free labor. It is, it is free labor and they have kind of no choice. And like, the, so the money doesn't go toward, you know, education or rehabilitation. They're, right. You know, yeah. What's, what's yeah. I, I I was gonna say prison movies, top prison movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, are we are we including Cinemax in this? Or? <laughs> oh well, I mean, our top ladies prison movie. <laughs> we look. There have been women in cages in that those movies. I don't know if we would count that as right. prison, but right. it can be done. All right, so I think I mean I look, think this... or, Orange is Orange is the New Black is like one of the most popular TV shows right now. Yes, and I was telling somebody that really liked that show. I was like, "Oh, you should check out that show Oz if you want to see a prison show." Ooh. And then they got back to me and they were like, "Yeah, that's not. Yeah. I want a goofy <laughs> prison <laughs> show. I don't that want a real prison like... show. Yeah, I want to laugh. I want to watch Prison Break." <laughs> you know? 
but um, but the, I mean, obviously the the documentary was really good. It was nominated uh, for the Academy Award, and uh, it's 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 a Netflix original, and there's also like a a follow up um, where Oprah interviews the director. It's it's like a half an hour interview. So if you watch one, Netflix will probably tell you to watch the other one, and you should watch that as well because it's it's, it's uh, a little extra insight into uh, the process and how this documentary came about. The documentary of the documentary. As okay. Uh, can you th- throw out the names of both of them one more time, please? Um, the the name of the film was Thirteenth, uh, and I think the name of the follow up thing was just Thirteenth, like the Oprah interview or something like that. But they're they're both on Netflix, and if you do a search for Thirteen, um, you'll see it. Hey, we're the Millennial Falcon Podcast, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. We're hosted by Anya Crittenton, Hui Chen Bui, and Willoughby Dobbs. The three of us met in college, bonding over Game of Thrones and Disney. While we've moved past Game of Thrones, we now bond once a week in a podcast that covers everything from superheroes to musicals to summer reading to Pokemon Go. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Falcon Podcast and listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Come for the hot takes, stay for the snark and puns. And the friendship that lasts forever. Hey everyone, I'm Christopher DeFilippis. My name is Skipper Martin. And you might know us as the hosts of 112263, an event podcast. But Skipper and I are here to announce our new podcast, which will be all about the new Hulu series, Castle Rock. Not only are we going to be covering the TV show, but we're going to be covering the Stephen King books and characters that seem to be somehow tied into the TV show. Not to mention TV movies and other theatrical movies, even the bad ones. But we're going to do it. We're going to do it, right, Chris? Yep, we're going to do it all. So watch this space. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And we will be dropping our first episode in no time. It's about a certain murderous clown. Can't wait. Can't wait. Follow the Castle Rock TV podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CRTV Pod. Visit our website at CRTVpodcast.com and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash CRTVpod. The Castle Rock TV podcast is a fractured entertainment to Flipside Media production. Hey everybody, I'm Troy. And I'm AJ. And we're the hosts of the World War G podcast. And we know Sean and John do great things, but if you need just that little bit more nerd in your life, a little bit more geek in your week, then head on over to worldwarg.podbean.com, where we talk about everything from movies and television, comic books and video games. Check us out at worldwarg.podbean.com. Back to you, Sean. I am floating. Floating out to sea, yeah, contrary to popularly, I ain't invincible, not even close, I'm just a little girl, a failure to most. Alright, well, my next pick is Doomed, it's D-O-O-M-E-D, Doomed, um, like I said, there's a theme run through most of my picks. Most of them are going to be, you know, nerdy picks. But uh, a you know lot what? honestly, I I expected that, which is why I didn't do any of them. <laughs> I knew I knew you got I knew you guys would have my back on that. 
A lot of people don't yeah. know, but uh, uh, some of us do, that there was a uh, Fantastic Four film that was made back in 1993. <laughs> and if you've never seen it, if you have seen it, you'll know it's, it's pretty bad. It's It had a budget of $1 million, and uh, which is not very much to make a movie from. And it was directed by Roger Corman. He was mostly known for making straight-to-video uh, B films like Carnosaur. And, uh, you know, during the 80s and 90s and stuff, superhero films were just starting to become a thing. And uh, most of them, to that point, had been pretty bad. I mean, we had Batman, but we also had Captain America, the, the 90, 1990 version. But, hold on just a second. Why are you staring at me? Good night. Good night. <laughs> Love you, too. I didn't, okay. I just look over and my daughter's just standing here staring at me. Okay. So, uh, the studio hired uh, Corman, they got a script, they casted the movie, and they filmed the movie, and then they sat on it. And they sat on it for so long that the crew started uh, editing the thing in their own time, and they paid out of their pocket to have the score recorded, because they wanted to hit the convention (laughs) circuit, and they wanted to promote this thing. And it turned out that the studio never intended to release this movie. The, the, The producer that owned the option from Marvel to make the movie had in his contract that he had to start making something by the end of 1992 or the option was going to go back to Marvel and then they could sell it to another studio. So the whole movie was was only filmed to keep the option, which was then sold to Fox to make the Fantastic Four movie that we remember from the early 2000s and all that. But this which documentary is... Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it didn't suck as bad. Have you guys ever seen the Corman Fantastic Four movie? I think I've seen parts of it. I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing. I have not seen any okay, of them. Well, uh, when I wrote you the other day and said that we were going to do an episode that's probably going to be like an MST3K of a of a of a movie, we're probably going to do Fantastic Four first <laughs> because I, it's just because it's not it's not a bad script. It's a bad movie, but it's not a bad script for it's com- comparing it to the other stuff that was coming out at the time. It wasn't terrible. Now it was shot pretty bad because it was so cheap. The anim- it had animated special effects. It didn't have any CGI. The thing was obviously wearing a rubber suit that had a really. What year this was, was 1993? And uh, obvious an- animatronic head that the mouth opened up way too wide. And um, it was just. I don't well, know. the thing? Yeah, the thing. The, the documentary uh, Doomed is behind the scenes look at that film. And they interview the actors and the crew. They show clips from the movies. I mean, from the movie. Uh, the actors were really proud of the movie. They thought that this was going to be their big break and that they were going to be movie stars after this. And and then you hear the anger and the heartbreak when they found out that this movie was never going to be seen by anybody. And then, of course, uh, the movie leaked out a few years later and it started making uh, making the rounds on convention circuits you could buy bootleg copies of this movie so people did actually start getting to see it and that you can watch the whole thing on youtube now it's it's all on youtube um but like i said animated special effects dr doom you can't understand what he's saying half the time but it's a cult classic and it's actually fun to watch if you're watching it uh in a sense that not yeah, sober in a sense that you you know you're watching a bad movie <laughs> you know uh, it's on all the VOD sites. I got it from Google Play for three dollars, you know. So, so I do recommend that uh, that movie. It's called Doomed, and it's pretty good. 
Yeah, that sounds like a fun time. I'm definitely going to have to uh, throw a few back and watch that because <laughs> I, I love watching a train wreck. I love watching the – annually, I watch the Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, wow. it's – but it's so bad, it's I can't good. watch it annually. That's too often. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just say I drink and forget that I watched it every year. <laughs> Now, if you download the the Rift Tracks so, version, it's pretty fun. That's the only. Oh, I'll have that's to the do only that. way I can watch it is watching the Rift Tracks version. <laughs> Man, thing, what what was your, the next one on your list? I've got one that's music related. Uh, one that. Well, let's do the murder one. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> Let's see. That's like, yeah, I got uh, one about a typeface. I got one about Santa Claus and the murder one. Um, I'm just glad from, because, you sent, because you sent me a message a couple of days ago and said, how much can we talk about penises? <laughs> and I'm just glad. Um, we're not, actually, we're not I believe the term is peni. Yeah. I'm just glad we're <laughs> yeah. not talking about yeah, that. Yeah, really. Like, well, yeah, I guess you can talk about it as much as you want. <laughs> it's an honor. Okay, it'll be an honorable mention, and now we're going to have to talk about it to for the listeners. Okay. So we'll do something where it's like, okay, listeners, if you want to hear about all the penis talk, uh, keep listening. But if you don't, you know, shut the podcast off, and then we'll listen to it next week. But... The documentary Anthony referred to is called The Final Member. It follows the lives of various human males as he tries to be the first to donate his genitalia to a museum that features animal penises. Personally, I would have called this film The Junkyard, but that's just me. I want to talk about Grizzly Man. Mm. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Grizzly Man from 2005, directed by... Uh, just a jewel that we have today, Werner Herzog. <laughs> um, so there was this guy named Timothy Treadwell, and some would call him crazy. Uh, some people would call him a daredevil. Some people would think he was just an idiot because he loved bears and i'm not talking the hairy burly man uh i'm talking the actual animals <laughs> oh i know who you're he talking loved about because bear. i saw the, i saw this guy like on dateline or 2020 or something a few years ago yeah yeah he would he would have tv appearances uh he loved to study the animal uh the bear uh, predominantly grizzly bears black bears cuz they were in alaska and the doc is called Grizzly Man because he really loved to educate school kids about bears. He just bears were his thing and he loved them so much and he studied them. He li he would just go out camping in the Alaskan wild and just be out there living amongst the bears. Uh, and I'm not spoiling anything because it's revealed in the documentary, but Timothy Treadwell and his girlfriend were both mauled to death by a bear. So and there, it was this all documentary the whole thing was recorded, right? Yep. Yeah, the attack was recorded. Yeah. Well, what happened was they were trying to get the camera out 
So they still had the lens cap on the camera, but it was recording, so they got audio. Yeah. So, you know, building up... Because Werner Herzog, you know, he does documentaries where he is in the documentary. He is a character in this documentary. You know, he is... It basically, he's like the German Mike Rowe, where he goes around just interviewing people, asking questions. Uh, and I love that he does insert himself in the documentary because just he's such an odd character, and just in his German accent, that's fun in and of itself. Uh, but he's sort of the guide in all of his documentaries, where he's kind of taking the viewer through and learning about the topic with them. But, yeah, so this guy gets mauled to death, and they have audio of it, and later on, you know, they he's researching, finding out where they were, talking to the last people that saw Timothy Treadwell alive, you know, talking to family, everybody who knew this guy, just trying to find out why was he doing this, who he was, because really... In the Alaskan wilderness, surrounded by bears, uh, you know, it just sounds crazy. Not something that I would want to do. Yeah. Yeah. That so, yeah. And for somebody that has been to Alaska, uh, apparently, like one of the tour guides, I was up there for my honeymoon, actually, and the tour guide actually was telling us a story about when he was charged by a black bear and black bear are actually smaller than grizzlies. And he said, you know, what you do when you're charged by a bear, it's kind of like, you know, an animal or person puffing out their chest and trying to assert dominance. So he said, you know, you kind of raise your arms up over your head to look bigger than you are. Like you're a, a bigger, so basically, like if somebody was squinting, you would look, you know, three feet taller with your arms above your head. That that's kind of the idea. How do you ward off bear chargings? Yeah. <laughs> but imagine that, yeah. and like you know, just being in Alaska and talking to some of these local people, and you know, all these crazy stories. How like, oh, they didn't get McDonald's till the seventies, and. You know, like, the whole town shut down, and they had the town ambulance, like, you know, transport Big Macs, and they had to fly them in from this other town and all, and, <laughs> you know, just crazy stuff. Like, there was a lady that I met where she still, uh, this was 2011, she still didn't have a telephone in her house, she was communicating by radio. Wow. Yeah, and it just... Alaska is the last refuge of scoundrels, I think. Like, if you want to, like, escape from society, you go to Alaska. <laughs> but it's it's such a beautiful place. And, you know, kind of watching the documentary first and then going to Alaska later on, uh, it, it, it was just, it's such a beautiful land and... You know, kind of being out there with nature, but, you know, also realizing, yeah, nature is scary and nature will rip you in half if you piss it off. And you need to respect nature. And I'm just trying to figure out what this Timothy Treadwell was doing because he loved the bears and he loved being with them. And, you know, he would get so close to them. But what 
why all of a sudden would a bear turn on him and what what happened yeah so yeah definitely it's one of those ones where you're just watching it thinking of so many questions and i'm not giving anything away by saying this guy died no it was yeah like i said i saw a a thing on uh, dateline or something oh, oh years ago and they told that whole story of how the bear came into his tent in the middle of the night or something and just started mauling both. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I haven't seen this honestly since 2010, 2011. So I need to go back and watch it again. But this was actually the first Werner Herzog documentary that I watched. And please just look into this man's career and dive right in. You know, he's directed, you know, uh, films too, but please check out his documentary yeah, work. And he's also kind of, he's kind of become a parody of himself. Like, he's yeah. been on The Simpsons, he's been on Rick and Morty. He was, a, he was on Boondocks. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I watched all they had on Netflix. Maybe they don't have that season up yet. What was he on there? Uh, he played himself <laughs> interviewing uh, Riley. Uh, awesome um, like this is the most depressing beeping kid I've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> I need to see this yeah Werner Herzog is, has become a parody of himself his voice is fantastic and Grizzly, Grizzly Man is not I mean it's not on Netflix or anything but you can rent it on uh, Google Play for two bucks so yeah it's definitely worth it and he just his mannerisms and just the way he talks, like I said, to be an ugly American, it's kind of funny uh, in a way. I My in-laws are German, like from Berlin, so I can kind of, it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Like Werner Herzog, he was being interviewed by some British uh, news and in L.A., and somebody shot him with an air rifle like a pellet gun and the pellet hit him in the stomach and actually broke the skin so he had this thing in there and the British TV reporters like freaking out and ducking for cover and Werner's just like the bullet is insignificant (laughs) if I die from this I he's like I will die from this or I will die from something else it is not my creation (laughs) to decide like he, he yeah it's just to listen to that man talk is just a treat. What were your uh, honorable mentions? Oh, uh, honorable mentions. The best one uh, might be Anvil, the story of Anvil. Basically, that is the real-life Spinal Tap uh, oh, okay. from a metal band from Canada. Canada, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, from Canada, I've also got another really good one called Surfwise about basically a hippy-dippy doctor who has his family in an RV and just takes them around, travels, and surfs. (laughs) And the kids have no formal education, and they grow up in this real hippie lifestyle. Um Life Itself, a documentary about Roger Ebert. Very good, very touching and heartwarming. I've been meaning to watch that one. Yeah. And, yeah, it's it's good. It's a tearjerker. And lastly, uh, from 2007, one called Helvetica, which is all about yeah. the very popular 
Uh, typeface. Not a font. It's a typeface. <laughs> Fonts are a file. Typefaces are the actual, you know, what it, it's like saying, you know, a font is the digital file. The typeface is the characters. And then um, just one more quick one. I know I mentioned it on our Christmas episode, but Becoming Santa, uh, the story of a guy who decides to basically become like a mall Santa one year, and he gets so wrapped up into it, and it explores the whole world of, you know, these guys that do this, and they say, you know, it's not just November, December they do this. It's really a... 365 24 7 job and just about all that so if you can get becoming santa please please uh try and watch that this holiday season okay john what was the last one on your list yep um well he mentioned life itself as one of his honorable mentions yeah um yeah i'm i'm a doc whore i'm sorry (laughs) i'll mention that like i I watch a lot of documentaries. Like, if you wanted to do a show that was just on food documentaries, we could do that. <laughs> so, finding three to five to only talk about, it was kind of like, what's your favorite Beatles song? Right. <laughs> um, so, I'll, I'll, so, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I will, I will go into uh, Life Itself a little bit. Um, that was on my list. Um, it is about uh, Roger Ebert. And I didn't really know... Um, anything about the documentary? I just obviously I was just a fan of Ebert, and uh, yeah, I agree. It was heartwarming. It was it was like equal parts funny and sad, and huh, that's interesting. There's a, there's a lot of huh, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, I was I was. Uh, I mean, obviously we know he passed away, so not so much a happy ending, but it was it was a really um, fascinating story of the journey kind of of his life like and especially you know um, as a well, he been his wife in AA yeah I mean they were both alcoholics something that I never knew about the guy yeah I think he I think he said he had been sober for like 13 years or something before he ever like went public about it um, but yeah, like it's like as pod. I mean, basically, they kind of Siskel and Ebert kind of wrote the format for what we do, like every week. Yeah, <laughs> you know the, the the idea that you know the general populace would care what you know two guys who watched this movie thought about the movie. You know, it, like I, I loved I loved the show as a kid because I didn't go to the movies that often, um, and. So it, it was. It was always interesting to me, like to, to hear their takes, because I, I felt like I, I actually typically lined up a little bit more with Ebert than Siskel. I felt like Siskel was a little more stuffy about it. Ebert <laughs> yeah. was more likely to. He was. He was more likely to. You know, it's not. It's not brain surgery. It's not going to win any Oscars. But you know, it's a funny movie. You, you, you'll. You'll. You might enjoy it. And like their show was like the um like the the end of my Saturday mornings. So Saturday mornings I'll start with cartoons and then like around eleven something noon the cartoons would kinda of run out and you'd, they'd have saved by the bell. <laughs> <laughs> and then like and then like the last thing that I watched before I would like go to play or play video games or whatever would be um 
you know, like I think it's at the movies with the Cisco neighbor. So yeah. it was, it was uh, again also on Netflix. Um, it was uh, I, I would I would highly recommend it. I would highly recommend it. Um, yeah, Ebert was the Ebert was always. I mean, I liked him because he could watch a stupid movie and know that it was a stupid movie, and he wouldn't bash it over the head for right. being stupid. Right? You know, some you, you don't. All right, enough about me and Ghostbusters. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, sometimes sometimes a dumb movie is just a dumb movie, and it's not, and it doesn't have to be anything other than that. You know. So yeah. But showing showing that footage when they would cut and oh, Cisco so and Eber would be fighting with each other. Oh, that is so good. Yeah. I kind of want to go back and watch yeah. that again. Just to see them fight with each other and all those stories about yeah. like it was it was all the bickering in between takes. Yeah, straight up, it was a, it was a toxic relationship. But like, but they but they <laughs> like were, we, can, we can say that. But they were the best of friends because Ebert, Ebert was a uh, was a pallbearer at Siskel's uh, funeral. You know, so sure. they I were, mean, they, they, they were. I mean, they were. They were like brothers. You yeah, know? and you don't always get along with your brother. Yeah, but, you know, there's there is a bond. Um, my honorable mention. My first honorable mention was um, this is way back. I didn't. I didn't know it was how old this was, but animals are beautiful people. It's from uh, 1974. This was probably the first documentary. Um, that you know, aside from like a Disney animal film that I actually saw, yeah, and it was um, it was set in um, like the the southern part of Africa. It takes place over, I think, a jungle, like two different deserts. But it's it's just it's just a it's a documentary about animals. But it's it was it, it had a it had a very wry sense of humor. So it, it you know it it you know the the bird wasn't just this bird doing this thing. The bird was, you know, this guy trying to impress his new wife. You know, <laughs> so like the voiceover would would like give give characterizations to these to these animals. Oh. Uh, and and you know that it wouldn't necessarily change what the animals did, but it, it would it would provide a, a humorous context. It, it was it was really funny. And again, you know, I know I've said this a lot of a hundred times, but it was one of those things that they showed on HBO over and over and over yeah. and over again before HBO had any clout. Um, and it's from the guy, the the same writer-director who did The Gods Must Be Crazy. I was going to say, that sounds yes. very Gods Must it, Be Crazy. You can definitely tell. The, the same seeds, the same visual style, the same sense of humor, the same kind of camera tricks. Um, I don't remember The Gods Must Be Crazy 2 as being especially good, so uh, I'll... I'll I won't necessarily insert that into this conversation, but yes, uh, animals are beautiful people. It is, uh, I think I saw it for like, you know, you can probably own it, but definitely rent it for like two or three bucks and it's, it's worth it. It's worth it. I mean, that's the one thing about nature documentaries. Like they don't necessarily, you know, go out of fashion, you know, the, the wildebeest still do what the wildebeest do. Um, and it's 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 still funny. Like I mean, it's definitely dated in the sense like it looks like it's a movie from the from the seventies or eighties, but um, everything still holds up. Yeah. Well, quick aside, uh, we didn't mention one of the biggest documentaries so far. Um, 
Morgan Spurlock supersized me. That one, that documentary kind of changed the documentary, kind of like how Star Wars changed sci-fi films. Yeah. Well, you in know my what? opinion, because go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. I, well, I was gonna say well, it was it was in conjunction. I would say that one supersized me, and um, Roger and me. Kind of, yeah. Kind of did this whole thing where a documentary wasn't, you know, this this you know this. Um, this cameraman, like Jacques Cousteau, yeah, like you know, like, just following, just, like a like a more of a dry just, PBS style we're kind just of thing. Observing, and we're not taking place. We don't have anything to do. Uh, and, and you know, I kind of in my head, I coin terms, but <laughs> I don't. You know, no one really listens to me enough to spread it around. But yeah, um, Roger, Roger Moore, Mike, Roger and me, Roger Moore, Michael Moore. Oh. Um, you know, does I don't really consider his films documentaries. I call them like docutorials because he, he mm-hmm. definitely has a point of view. That yeah, uses uses a documentary style to you know to uh, uh, to submit his his editorial perspective. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. There's definitely and there's been a documentary about Michael Moore's documentary style and how. You know, a lot of it, without getting political, but a lot of it is manipulating the viewer and kind of cherry-picking pieces and... Fake news. You know, just... Well, (laughs) yes, I didn't want to get into that. But, uh... Fake news. (laughs) Anyway, so... Sorry. uh, (laughs) But, um, have you guys ever seen Arnold Schwarzenegger in Pumping Iron? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, so that was a docudrama... Yeah. Because even though that one came out in the 70s, they were cooking a lot of things in that documentary and kind of faking things a little bit where, you know, the producer or they would kind of feed things to the people or they would do something where they were crafting a story out of this. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. And apparently there's like a a generation pumping iron or pumping iron too. Yeah. So if, if you want to see a bunch of sweaty guys working out, <laughs> check that out. You let like me, uh, movies about gladiators? No, wait, yeah, wait, right, I got, yeah. I've got one more. <laughs> yeah, let me do this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Go ahead. Oh, you got. I don't. Okay, I don't know if this. Go ahead. Yeah, I've got. I, I can't officially count it as an honorable mention because I haven't actually seen it. It was the one in my queue that I never got to, but it's uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop about uh, the artist Banksy. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, so, yeah, it, listeners, yeah. watch it and tell me how it is. <laughs> well, as somebody who is an arts graduate, and that came out right, like, in my senior year, I I have seen that, and I have opinions. Okay. But I think that, okay, so Banksy, or at least, there, there are other Banksy-related documentaries that are out there, so... Uh, I would like to watch those and revisit Exit Through the Gift Shop, and then maybe we can talk about those. Okay. Uh, Saving Banksy is one of them. But Exit Through the Gift Shop basically is the introduction into the whole street art world, and uh, kind of is just... You know, like, what is... It kind of does ask, what is art, and you know street art is is it vandalism is it art and then there's also the question that's raised like is it art if 
the artist is not doing it himself. Uh, right. There is a character that comes in called Mr. Brainwash, and basically this guy who just says, like, oh, I'm a street artist now, and I'm going to call myself Mr. Brainwash, he kind of just commissions work out and has just other people make stuff and says, well, this is my creation. Like Quincy Jones. And, yeah, I guess. I'm not familiar with him. Quincy Jones, the, the, I mean, the you know, music producer who, um, actually he writes a lot of the songs, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't sing them. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's what is art, oh. but I enjoyed Exit Through the Gift Shop. Uh, definitely need to see that again, but it was at that time where, you know, the Obey thing, All right. you know, yeah. the, um, the they live obey like that was all very popular and then i would have to tell people like who Rowdy, rowdy roddy piper was and like <laughs> what movie that's from right because they just thought it was like a skateboarding thing well the last one on my list is uh confessions of a superhero and uh it's another one that's probably about 10 years old at this point but it follows these four people that moved to hollywood to become actors and then they struggle getting into the business and they end up dressing up as superheroes and walking around the Hollywood Walk of Fame and taking pictures with tourists and getting tips for it and stuff like that. So uh, there's a guy named Christopher Dennis who claims to be the son of Sandy Dennis, who was an, an actress back in the 60s. And But her family says that she never had any children. They say that he's lying about it. <laughs> you know, So there's, a, there's that drama going on. And, but this guy... Well, He's, he's the super, Superman. Yeah, he dresses as Superman, and this guy is serious about being Superman because he dresses like Superman, like it's his job. <laughs> and and uh, he he, but he and he does kind of look like Christopher Reeve, uh, but uh, he takes it seriously. He likes what he does. There's also a guy that claims that he used to be in the mob, and now he dresses like Batman, and he looks a lot like George Clooney. I mean, he looks kind of like George Clooney had a really bad day, you know. But, but yeah, uh, yeah. But then there's a there's a girl that dresses like Wonder Woman, and there's a guy that uh, dresses in a big foam rubber Hulk suit, and and that kind of stuff. But it's you know, it kind of humanizes these guys that you see, like when you're watching the late night TV, and they bring in these guys that dress as superheroes, and they're making fun of them and stuff like that. Is it kind of humanizes them and shows what their life is really like. Because, I mean, yeah, they're dressed up as superheroes and they're trying to make money making tips and stuff. But it's not an easy job because it's like 110 degrees out there and they're wearing a big rubber uh, Batman suit and stuff like that. So, uh, Mm -hmm. And the guy that's Superman, he knew all the trivia. He could talk to everybody about anything Superman related. He had figures and collections and, like... All memorabilia of Superman completely covered the walls yeah. of his apartment. Yeah, and he goes to some um, some big uh, costume contest every year and, and dominates it and wins and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> well, it well that it was uh, where where is it in Illinois? It's Whatever Met- Metropolis, the Metropolis, I think, is the what? name of the town. Metropolis, Illinois, or something like that. Is that is right? That Something like that. He, super- he doesn't live there. He just goes there every year to be in this contest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but the, the the documentary was on Netflix when I watched it. It's not there anymore. But you can still you can rent it on iTunes for like three bucks. 
But uh, but it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, like I said, he claims that he's uh, related to Hollywood royalty, and that he can't prove it. Nobody believes him, you know. And and it's it's also kind of got a sad quality to it because these are people that really what they want to be doing is making movies. And like the guy that dresses as Batman, he's gotten a role in a couple of movies, uh, and he's usually a mobster that gets killed in the first act or something like that. But and they talk about it in the film. What plays against him is the fact that he looks like George Clooney. So for some reason, that makes people not uh, not want to hire him yeah. because he looks like George Clooney. And you know, he's kind of like a low rent George Clooney or whatever. I don't know if his acting is is not good enough or what, but he he doesn't get like real acting jobs. He just kind of gets parts where he comes in, and they're mostly like B movies. He comes in, he gets shot, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, <laughs> from from what I remember, I can definitely tell you, yes, his acting he is, is not that good. He's the one. Uh, he's the one that loses his temper a lot when he's out on the strip because people come up and they take pictures with these heroes. Some of them don't realize that they're supposed to be tipping them. You know, they they, they don't realize that that these guys are out there working for tips. Uh, right. But so. He'll take a picture with somebody, and the people will just start to walk away. And he'll turn around and he say, "You know, we accept tips for the picture, <laughs> you know, stuff like that." So, uh, but yeah, if I got accosted by Batman, it, it would probably uh, <laughs> it would probably scar me for life. But and he's yeah. not even, you know, you're thinking well, Batman. I would think he he's wearing like the the Batman and Robin type, from, like from the film, that type of suit. He's not wearing like the Adam West outfit and all that kind of stuff right he's he's got the very heavy non-breathable uh definitely got the bat funk under the costume going let me throw out a couple honorable mentions i just got a text from my wife says it doesn't sound like you're wrapping up (laughs) but uh yeah for uh for the love of spock is one I think I talked about on the show a while back that I really enjoyed it's a film made by adam nimoy about his father it started out as a documentary about Spock that he was making with his father and then his father passed away and he decided to turn around and make it about Leonard Nimoy and his, uh, and his entire career and his relationship with his family because Leonard Nimoy and his son didn't have the best relationship for a lot of, for a lot of years. And then they kind of, uh, got back in each other's lives closer to his death. So it's a, it's a, a pretty good, uh, film. I, I enjoyed that. And then there's another one called Atari game over, that I watch, I think this one still is on Netflix, and it's uh, it's it's kind of about the history of Atari, but they wrap it up in this uh, story about the uh, the video game of ET, the extraterrestrial that came out back in the early '80s, um, that was supposedly the worst game ever made, and it it sold so badly yeah, that the, 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 the urban legend was that they buried million or hundreds of copies of it in a landfill in New Mexico. Well, that was an urban legend for years and years. And then this documentary was made and they actually uncovered them and they were actually there, you know? So, uh, so that's, uh, and that's not a spoiler. That was like in the news and stuff, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, but it's funny because when they're actually doing an excavation at this landfill, there's hundreds of people standing around in cosplay 
watching them dig up a hole in this landfill looking for these games. Uh, so, uh, so that one was, if you, if you like old style video games, uh, you'll like it because it, like I said, it goes into a lot of the history of Atari and that kind of stuff. But, um, okay. That's, uh, pretty much all I've got. Um, I wanted to touch real quick on, uh, a couple of apps that I found over the last couple of weeks that I wanted to tell the audience about. And uh, I believe all of them are free. One of them is, uh, one that I already talked about. It's called just watch. And it'll let you know if a film is streaming or if you have to rent it and how much it costs on the different VOD platforms and stuff. So definitely download that. It's free. Also, if you like watching movies, uh, obviously you've probably already got Netflix. You probably already got Hulu. There's two apps called uh, Crackle and Tubi TV, and they are both free. And you can watch movies on that. If you like older movies, they got a lot of old TV shows and stuff on there. You have to watch commercials. But um, but it's free, you know. And the only bad thing, yeah, the only bad thing is if you're watching a, if you're watching a movie, they're going to show you the same three commercials every thirty minutes, you know. So so, but uh, but other than that, you know, it's pretty cool. And then I found another app called uh, Classic UHF, which is also available online on uh, Retrovision Retrovision TV. If you like old sci-fi movies and old TV shows and old. B movie, uh, B movies like mystery uh, movies and stuff like that. I'm talking about old, like from the 40s and 50s, and you need to check this out because it's it's like mostly uh, public domain movies and TV shows and stuff, and 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 they're all on this app. You can watch them all on on your phone, or you can watch them on your TV. You can watch them on your computer, and uh, and it's a lot of the kind of movies that they make fun of on Mystery Science Theater 3000, but you know without the robots talking over them. So. Uh, and then we mentioned on the last podcast, uh, LeVar Burton Reads is a podcast that I have kind of fallen in love with. So uh, if you like if you like listening to LeVar Burton tell you a story, if you like that when you were a kid and watching Reading Rainbow, this is kind of like a Reading Rainbow for adults. So check that out. And uh, other than that, that's all, that's all I've got. Anthony, thank you for being here tonight. Well, thank you for having me. I always love talking docs, and hopefully we can get Absolutely. together and do it again soon. Because there, yeah, there are so many good docs out there, and uh, to kind of take a break from a fictional story and to watch something real, uh, you know, you could be reminded that there's a yeah. lot of beauty in the world. So, you know, not all docs are like that, but please, if you aren't watching them you know get into them because a good doc will hook you even if you know nothing about the subject all right john thank you for being here yeah man (laughs) so simple (laughs) and uh of course uh audience you can listen to this show on the website at cosmicpotato.com or you can get it from itunes stitcher spreaker google play any of those places go ahead subscribe uh, leave us a rating and a review so we can help new people find the show. If you want to contact us, just click on the contact tab at the top of the website and it'll take you to Facebook, Twitter, email, all that kind of stuff. And thank you so much for listening to the show and join us next time on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast when you might hear John say, You know, Schoolhouse Rock told me that knowledge was power and G.I. Joe told me that knowing was half the battle. But nerds still get beat up a lot, so be careful out there. <laughs> That's true. <laughs>